Jesus, King Jesus, we declare your name. We declare that whatever we're longing and searching for can only be satisfied, it can only be found in you. The peace that we long for is found in your holy name, is found in what you did, is found in your presence. And your word tells us where two or more gathered, you're here, God. So help us to experience you. Help us to, to sense you, to sense your will for our lives, to sense what you are telling us to do, what you are calling us to do, God. And may we resist the temptation to doubt from the enemy. May we, we resist the temptation to um, just recluse and try to figure things out on our own, God. There's power in your name, Jesus. Help us to believe it. As we always pray, speak to our hearts through your word, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, the Bible tells us to encourage one another with these words. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Want to know what those words are, don't you? I want to know what those words are. So we move on up a little bit, and we see the paragraph break there. And you see the transition from what was being talked about, and it says, but we, in verse 13. And Paul tells the Thessalonians, but we do not want you to be uninformed. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. So there you go. He wants to encourage them. Obviously, there's a problem. Some people are grieving without hope, and that indeed is a serious issue, grieving without hope. Now, before we get started, we have some encouraging words here, but honestly, they only apply to people who are in Christ. We do not have any words of encouragement for people outside of Christ. Have none. There's, there, none exist. That's why it's so important that we believe Jesus, that we're in Christ, because this is written for believers. This is written for people that have an understanding of what the Father has provided for us through Jesus. So verse 13 he addresses an issue that was taking place in Thessalonica. Obviously, people had thought, had some wrong ideas, hence the term uninformed, about what happens to you after you die. I'm sure that the same kind of ideas that are around today were around then, nothing. That's a pretty good sleep at night theology. For those outside of the encouragement of this verse, you got to get there to sleep at night. What happens to you after you die? Nothing. Nothing. It just ceases to be. You just have the memories. You just have the, the time we spent with a loved one. But, you know, one of the issues that people struggle with in life is what happens after you die. If there's not the hope of eternal life through Christ, then you got to find something to help you sleep at night. And nothing helps you do that. You just cease to exist. When you die, that's it. Many believe in reincarnation. It's, it's a big movement among the Hindi, of course, among the 
the Hindu people, Buddhists believe in reincarnation, that you pass away, and after a certain period of time, when everything is right in the celestial world, in the spiritual world, that you get to become something else. And so each time you die, you're reincarnated. That's why, you know, if you, you don't let that cow go everywhere he wants, because it might be Aunt Lou. <laughs> you know, don't touch that cow. So uh, that's around today. And of course, the, probably the number one sleep at night theology that's out there today is everyone goes to heaven. Universalism, that's what that's called. Churches are built on universalism. Everybody goes to heaven. Even though the Bible talks about hell, there's no such thing as hell. And it's really interesting in a poll, if people are honest with themselves, it will say something like this, 70% believe in heaven, 30% believe in hell. You have to without Christ. You have to have that mindset. You know, how else could you be? I mean, without Christ, in my way of thinking, you got to be uninformed about truth. It's very, very hard to survive. You got to sleep at night. You got to move forward. You got to, you know, in this, in this uh, world that we have where we're trying to eke out a living and eke out survival and we're moving forward, man, if that's over your head about what happens to people without Christ, what happens to people who have died, if you don't have any real clear hope, you got to come up with something that will help you maneuver a little bit in life. And so I think just like then, now, this is a real important conversation to have. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. So the very first thing that we need to see here is there is an opportunity to grieve with hope. And he wants us to know what that opportunity is. He wants us to know what that looks like, how much better it is to grieve with hope versus to grieve without any hope. There's two things that are constant in that understanding, grief. And grief is that hurt, that pain that we have whenever we experience any significant loss. We grieve, we hurt, we feel deeply. It's, it's more than we can bear at times, isn't it, when we lose a loved one? I mean, I've lost loved ones. I'm sure that most of y'all today have lost loved ones. If you haven't lost loved ones yet, you are very fortunate. But to prepare you, it's going to come. You're going to lose loved ones. You're going to lose them. We're all going to lose them. We, in, in that regard, we all need to be taught. We all need to be skilled. We all need to have understanding of what it means to grieve. If not, we will experience some real hardships in life if we don't know what it's like to grieve. So the very first thing that I want you to see here is there is an opportunity with Christ to grieve with hope. However, without Christ, there's no opportunity to grieve with hope. So we begin there. And to encourage you with those words, man, I want to grieve with hope. I want you to grieve with hope. Grieving with hope is much better 
It's far better. It's the only way we could be to grieve with hope, to, to wake up every day and hurt yet have hope, to wake up every day after a significant loss and have that pain, that, that difficulty of, of grieving each and every day, but yet at the same time have hope. Now, only God can make that happen, if you really think about that. I, I'm amazed at people that experience a significant loss, but, and they grieve and rejoice simultaneously. Now, I've grieved and had joy at the same time. When my dad passed away, because of what he went through in that hospital, because of what was going on, because of, of, the, of the deterioration that he went through physically and mentally... I was standing right there when my dad breathed his last breath, right there in the doorstep of, of, of our house. I was there. I saw him pass away. I experienced grief and joy simultaneously. My dad believed in Christ. My dad understood about heaven. My dad was a believer. He had given his heart to Christ when he was a young man. He, he, he was ready to go. And when he died, I thought about what life would be like for him, and I rejoiced because we were on our way to being in the custody of hospice. Hospice is a great organization. They were all there when they wheeled him in the house, and the ambulance people were all there. And he just, his goal in life was to die in his house. And, and I was walking with him out there on the front porch, putting him in, squeezing ourselves through there, helping those ambulance boys to lift him up. And he was breathing on the front porch, and he died as soon as he crossed that, that door. He died. And I went, Dad, you wanted to die in your house, and by gosh, you did. That's what I thought. As time went on, knowing that if he would have survived, if he would have somehow or another fought back, and, and he would have been in a nursing home during covid Oh, my stars, that would not have been a good arrangement. And I think about my dad, he, he would have had lots of questions about rules. He would have debated everyone about rules. I would have received a phone call every single day, can you please come talk to your dad? He has had enough with us, and he has had enough with everybody, and he ain't wearing a mask, and he ain't going to go eat anywhere where people are wearing a mask. I'd have been on that road. I'd have been tearing that highway up. And so I rejoiced that my dad didn't have to go through all that. Simultaneous, I grieved. I miss my dad all the time. I, I, I hear me say things that my dad said all the time. I hear my voice being just like his voice. And, and, and last week, I said, Jesus done told us that. I know that's not good English. I know that's not the way you speak. But my dad would always say stuff like that. That man done did it, didn't he? He done did it, Dad. He sure did. And I hear, I hear him all the time. And so all the time, I grieve. But I rejoice. He's in heaven in a lot better place than here. And, and Jesus has made that possible for us to experience that. But without Christ... There's no rejoicing in the grief. You just got to kind of make the most of it, don't you? How horrible that is. So we have an opportunity to grieve with hope. Verse 14, look at here. It says, 
For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring back with him those who have fallen asleep. First of all, you've got the aspect of believing. Grieving with hope is tied to believing in Jesus. No other way around that. You've got to believe in Jesus. That's what you've got to do. Your belief has got to be focused on what he has done for us on the cross, what he has done for us with death. Only Jesus defeated death, and so we focus on him. And so your belief, if you're going to grieve well, and if you're going to grieve with hope, belief has got to be the reason why you're able to grieve with hope. You believe that Jesus died and rose again. If Jesus died and rose again, we can grieve with hope. If we do not believe that Jesus died and rose again, you can't believe with hope because you have nothing to believe in. Because you, is, you know as well as I know that you and I can do nothing about death. We have no options outside of that. We all understand that it takes us into the unknown world, and we have no power whatsoever. We have no control over that. Not when, not how, not what goes on beyond that. And so uh, the Scripture shows us clearly that believing in Jesus and trusting in what he's going to do for us after death means everything. It's not our belief in ourselves, not in our willpower, not in our ability, not in our skills, but believing in what he himself has accomplished. And what he has accomplished is extremely important. He died and rose again. He died for our sins and he rose again. The man rose from the dead. He defeated death, so he has the power for us to defeat death through him, through Christ. you got to believe. you got to have trust in Christ. It can't just be mental assent. It just can't be religion. It just can't be with your mind you believe that Jesus is important, his values are important, that he was a good teacher, that he was a prophet of, of well-being and you listen to him. But I mean true heartfelt belief that he is who he said he was and he did what he set out to do. And he died on the cross and he rose again. That's how we can grieve with hope. This past Sunday I watched Prince Harry on 60 Minutes I really haven't been that involved with it. I haven't been. My mother's really into it, you know, the royal thing and all that's taking place with Harry and Meghan. But Harry, all by himself, being interviewed Sunday night, my heart went out to him, interesting enough. I'd love to go see Harry and talk to him. Harry, I'm a royal too. You just don't know it. We can't prove it, but I've, I'm a royal. And he described his life. And I don't know that he really understands what he described, but he described someone that has been grieving since he was 12 years old, and he's never had help with the grief, and he's never been able to move forward with his grief. And his mom was killed in Paris in that car crash when he was 12 years old. That was in 97, I think. And, and he describes what happened. King Charles now came into his room, sat on the bed, and woke him up and said, your mom has died. We have to get up, and we've got to do things. What? Your mom has died. And he described the process of what it was like. He described walking behind the casket as quiet. 
he described how eerie it was that, that he would smile at people and as they were walking around and observing all the memorials that were taking place around there, and he would pick up someone's flowers and thank them and walk across the road and, and put the flowers wherever that was that they were, you know, uh, saying, we miss you, Diana. And he said, in all that time, he's cried one time. My heart went out to him. He said that he cried when they went to the Spencer uh, estate and they lowered her casket into the ground. And that was the only time the poor guys cried. I've teared up this year more than Harry did in his whole life about my dad. Teared up. Just emotional. Just feel it. Sometimes driving down the road. Every time I listen to Jerry Clower, I tear up. I, I hear my dad laughing. Every now and then when I'm on the, on the uh, Facebook or something, that Johnny Carson comes up, and I'll watch him nearly every time because it reminds me of my dad laughing at Johnny Carson. We'd get home at night, and at, at 10.30, my dad was watching Johnny Carson, and I'd sit down there and watch Johnny Carson with him. And I, every now and then, if something happens that I think my dad would really laugh at, I tear up a little bit. Poor Harry, none of that. None of that. He's stuck. He's stuck in grief. And, and I, I didn't hear in his words that he understood that you can grieve with hope. You, you grieve with perseverance is what I heard from him. You grieve with endurance is what I heard from him. As he was trained, that image means more than person. And so the image that the royals were to present to the English people was one of, you know, stiff upper lip, toughness, strength, protocol, right, decor, you know, who, how you are, how you present yourself in public meant more than what was really going on inside a heart. And, and I see a real connection between that and how folks like us grieve. A lot of people grieve with the idea of how it appears to other people rather than what's really going on in the heart. And we'd agree with hope means we cry with hope. We cry and have sorrow, but we rejoice at the same time. And we grieve, we hurt. That's the result of loving people. And yet, that belief is needed for us to be able to grieve with hope. And I, I just wish Harry understood that, because how painful that is to be in the public eye and to be trained to image is more important than person. And he is enduring the death, tragic death of his mom. And he spoke about that for years. He, he believed that she had pulled some kind of little, you know, uh, uh, bait and switch type thing or uh, some kind of maneuver in that she somehow or another got out of the car and, and left and she did it to get away from the press and the royalty and all that kind of stuff. And he said that for years went by and he thought, maybe today my mom will come back. Maybe today my mom will come back. And I can't imagine living like that outside of the reality of what happened. And people live outside that reality 
if we haven't believed. The next thing that Paul tells us here that I think is really important, he just simply lays it out there and he said, God's not going to abandon the dead. God is not going to abandon the dead. That second part of verse 14, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. With Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So now he talks about one of the things that helps us to be able to grieve with hope is this, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And, w- and, and when he comes again, he's not abandoning the dead. Those who have died before, he brings with him to be absent when the bodies be with the Lord. And those who are on the earth, when Jesus returns, they are going to celebrate the reunion that happens. So he doesn't abandon the dead. We need to know that. How do we grieve with hope? We know that God doesn't abandon those who have died. For this we declare to you in verse 15. We declare to you by a word from the Lord. You can count on it, in other words. This is from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Every now and then I'll get a question about creation, um, uh, cremation. And he said, is it okay to cremate? Does anywhere in the Bible say you can't cremate? And, and, and nowhere does it say you can't cremate. But let me, let me tell you what the Bible does say. The Bible does say that uh, there is going to be a great connection between those who have died and those who are remain alive. Now, those who have died, they are going to receive a new body. They're going to get a new body. And, and, and that's what we see here in, in this Scripture, that the dead in Christ will rise first in verse 16. That is talking about the rising up to the new body. Okay? So we do understand from Scripture, those who die... Their spirit, their soul goes to live with Christ. When, when that day of the great return happens, the great return of Christ, that's going to be a time of the giving of the new bodies. Okay? So verse 16. So this is what we know, that he's going to bring with those who have died before, and there's going to be this connection happen with those who are alive. For the Lord himself, verse 16, will descend from heaven with a cry of command. Oh, it's going to be quite a deal. I don't know how it's going to be with the trumpet. It's going to be quite a trumpet blow. I mean, it's going to be a tune. It's going to be a celebration. I reckon it's going to be something we all get. I think it's going to be a noise that we're going to understand, and, and I don't have a clue about what that sounds like, what that's going to be like, but it's definitely going to get our attention. And the trumpet of God will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, you can get bogged down in this, and you can talk about rapture. You can talk about pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. You can talk about just the return of Christ, that Christ returns before the tribulation, middle of the tribulation, after it's all said and done. I think that the message of this Scripture is to encourage us with these words, And what we need to receive here is not understand each individual piece of the coming of Christ, but get the whole picture. And the whole picture is this. He's going to return and take care of us. 
when Jesus returns, he's going to meet our need. When he returns, everything is going to be put in place. The dead will return with him. Those who are alive, they will be with him. It's going to be fantastic. And this is what verse 17 says. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, for me personally, I'm more tied to the word together than what it means and what it looks like to meet the Lord in the air, okay? And so that's how I go. I'm reading this. Encourage each other with these words. I think the words together are great encouragers. I think it's great encouragement to understand that whatever it looks like with the return of Christ happens, however you see it taking place, I have, I have an idea of what is going to happen. I have an idea of how it's going to unfold. But the great news, the best news, the encouraged news is together, together. My grandpa died in 1964. I'm going to get to see him again. Together, together. I didn't get to know my grandpa from Alabama. Together, my Willie, my grandpa from England, he died when I was a young man. I'm going to get to sit down with him. My grandma, my Nana from England, I'm going to get to sit down with her. I'm going to, I can't wait. I'm going to get to sit down with Jim Waspa. You don't know Jim Waspa. I've never talked about Jim Waspa, most likely. We, grew, we, we played football together in high school. He's the guy that first invited me to go to church. He's the one. And, and he got a football scholarship to Texas Tech. And, and he, in, in one of the summers that he was at Tech, he went to Kentucky to work with his dad in road construction and a, and a dump truck ran over him and killed him. It was, it was horrible for us. It was, he was the best guy. Girls, he was pretty. Man, he was pretty. He had great big blue eyes and a great big smile. He was six foot five and he lifted weights and he was kind. He was considerate. He, he was just a real nice guy. When, when, when he heard that I'd messed up and done things I wasn't supposed to do, he'd come over and he'd put his arms around me. He said, now, come on, buddy. You can do better than that. During the football games, you know, if I miss a tackle or do something, he'd, he'd always come over and say, you can do better. Come on. It's going to be all right. Hang in there. He was just always a voice of reason and just a comforting guy. I can't wait to sit down with old Waspa and go, dude, we, you'd have been the best. I mean, I've grown up with guys that, I've grown up with guys that are doctors, they're oil people, they, they've really made a lot of stuff. Waspa would have been the best one. He'd have been the best one. He might not have had the most money, but I guarantee it, he would have been just a delight in this world. He probably finished playing football at Tech, may or may not have gone the pros. And, and he's just been great. He'd have been a great dad. He'd have been a great grandpa. He, just, he was just that kind of guy, tender and, and, and loving and caring and never said a bad word about anybody. I can't wait for the reunion with me and Wasipa. And, and, and right now, you should be encouraged by those reunions that you can't wait to have. Reunions. Together. That's what we have with death in Christ. Now, people say, will you get to see people we recognize? A absolutely. You're going to have to because we're together. There's a reunion that takes place. And you know something else about this wonderful reunion? Think about this for a moment to encourage you, 
to encourage you to live every day for Christ, to live every day believing and trusting Him. If nothing else, for what happens after we die and after our loved ones die, we will have a reunion together forever. There's no time limit. There's no time limit to it. If you want to sit down 3,000 years with your grandpa, have at it. Enjoy it. Wouldn't that be great? 3,000 years for your dad, 3,000 years for your mom, 3,000 years with your grandpa, just to sit around and go, what was it like then? What happened here? Da, da, da. What's, what's Jesus doing over there? That Peter, he's quite a fellow in here. Look at him over there. Everybody's always talking to Paul. Look at Paul over there. Where, where, where's that, that bald prophet that had those kids killed with that bear? Where's he at? Boy, stay away from him. Don't go around that guy. You know, how fun that's going to be. A reunion is going to come together. I think you can grieve with hope knowing that when Jesus returns, there's going to be a reunion with your loved ones, and you're going to be together. It says in verse 17, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them, the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And look what it says here. So let's, let's go back. Encourage each other with these words. Grieve with hope. Believe in Christ. Jesus is going to return. He's going to take care of death. He's not going to abandon anyone that dies. He's got it in his hands. It's his plan. It's his work. It's his business. We can just rest in it. And there's going to be a great reunion together. And now look what he says in verse 17. And so, in conclusion, with a final thought, and so we will always be with the Lord. That's good. We will always be with the Lord. We will always be with the Lord. Are you stuck in grief? It says in verse 9 up here in First Lesson 4, Now concerning brother love, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Grief will keep you from loving. Grief will get in the way. Grief that is stuck. Grief that is unresolved. Grief that does not have the opportunity to address through these spiritual terms will make you angry. It will impact your relationship with other people. It'll cause you to not be a forgiving person. It'll cause you not to be full of grace. It will cause you to, to lack mercy. It will cause you to lack empathy. It'll cause, it'll, it, it will, if, if you are grieving without hope or if you're stuck in some aspect of grief, you'll avoid people who are hurting because it's going to make you hurt. You will not want to hear true stories. You will not want to hear how people are really doing. You just want the facade of everything is okay if you're stuck in some area of grief. So it's really important that we teach our kids how to grieve. Teach them the math, sure. Teach them verbs, sure. Teach them all those things in science, sure. Absolutely. But along the way, teach them how to grieve. Your children need to be taught by you how to grieve. Help your friends know how to grieve. Do not hide this skill. This is a real important skill to have. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus... 
God will bring with those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. God's going to take care of it. He is not going to abandon the dead. For the Lord himself will send from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, we will always be with the Lord. We will always be with the Lord. Family will always be with the Lord. Believers in Christ will always be with the Lord. We will always be with the Lord. Always. No time limit. Always. No death. Always no funerals. Always no ICUs. Always no nursing homes. Always. We will be with the Lord. Never a lack of time. Never a short period of time to meet with someone. It's just we got all the time in the world. We have all the time in the universe. We have eternity. And so we will be with the Lord always. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Take that Take that at face value. Take that at what it says. What do you need to do today? You need to encourage people with these words. How you need to live life? Just encourage people with these words. Can you imagine what your office would be like if you help people be encouraged with these words? Can you just think about what this would mean if, if your soul existence became, I'm just going to encourage people with these words. Do you know that one day you're going to grieve, but you don't have to grieve without hope? That's what the Bible says. You can grieve. And so when you go through, you have, have you lost anybody? Well, no, I haven't lost anybody. Well, I hate to say it, but you're going to lose people that you love, that you care about, people that you just can't wait to be around at Christmas time and Thanksgiving. You're going to lose them. It's going to hurt. It's a pain. Man, I've had that pain. You don't have to grieve without hope. Did you know that? Because if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we have that going for us. And that allows us not to have to grieve without hope. Let me tell you something else. Let me encourage you with these words. He's not going to leave the dead dead. He's not going to leave the dead abandoned. Whatever you think about death is like, he's got that all in his hand. He's got that all under control. Let me encourage you with these words. If you will believe that Jesus died and rose again, that, that you're going to have this promise you're going to be able to be able to be strong when you face death. You're going to hurt and rejoice at the same time. You're going to have pain when, when your brother dies, when your sister dies, when your husband, your wife dies, when your loved ones die, when your best friend dies. You're going to have pain. It's going to carry around. It's going to make you not be able to sleep at night. It's going to cause you to want to medicate. It's going to cause all kinds of problems. But you can rejoice with hope because Jesus died and rose from the grave. And when he's coming back, he's going to take care of all this. He's going to make it all good. It's going to be wonderful. And when he sets up his eternity, man, it's going to be unbelievable for us. Let me encourage you that your best days are ahead if you believe in Christ because of what he's going to do with eternal life. And by the way, there's going to be a reunion. Who do you want to talk to? Who do you want to sit down with? Who in life did you not get enough time with? You're going to have all the time in the world if we believed in Christ. Think about that for a moment. Let that soak in. You're going to have all the time in the world with people that you have loved. You're going to have all the time in the world with people who have similar DNA to you. 
Isn't that funny? We can't do anything about our DNA. We can't pick our DNA. We, our DNA is what it is. I, my DNA is what it is. We're, we're drawn to people with that DNA. We want to talk with them. We're going to get to for all of eternity. Man, and be with the Lord forever. Encourage one another with these words. Boy, the world needs it. And the world that you go to Monday through Saturday needs it. You and I need it. May the work of the Lord be done through us, his blessed people. Help us, Lord. Help us in Jesus' name to encourage one another with these words. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, please come.